All right, let's go ahead and stand, remain standing just to read two verses. And I want to talk to you today about the sacrifice of motherhood. I'm a little loud, TJ. Thank you. And um, I'm going to read and preach out of a verse I've never preached out of. And this is a very haunting, compelling verse. I want you to look at Luke 2, 33. And his legal father and his mother were marveling at what was said about him. Of course, his and him is Jesus. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed and destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is spoken against. And now read this with me, church. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also. Why? That the secret thoughts and purposes of many hearts may be brought out and disclosed. A sword, Mary, will pierce through your own soul also. Father, thank you for your word today. Speak to us. Thank you for every mother in this room. Speak to them. And we thank you, Lord, for your goodness in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you better perk up and listen. God wants to talk to you today. Well, uh, before I go into this, I want to remind you that Wednesday night we're starting a new series, and everyone who comes to this series is going to be given one of these books free, Gossip, Slander, and Other Favorite Pastimes. Now, I know that there's no gossip or slander in the church, but this is so you can take it out to people in the world. All right, uh, and that's a $7.99 value. This book sells for uh, $8, and I'm going to give it to you, one per family or one per individual, and we're going to go through this in six weeks, and we're going to learn the power of the tongue, the power in what you say, because death and life are in the power of the tongue. I'm going to say it again, death and life are in the power of what you say, and you probably slipped up some this week in things you said, and I know I did, and i you know, sure enough, if I'm going to preach on it, I mess up in what I say. And so here it is, and we begin Wednesday night, and I want to encourage you, go ahead and fight the little bit of traffic there is. More times than not, it's not as bad as you think it's going to be, and we'd love to have you at 7 o'clock. Now, by the way, George and Jerry, y'all stand up right there, George and Jerry Teske, and, and uh, now go ahead and make them feel welcome. Stay standing. Now, you, now, George and Jerry are my, some of my spiritual parents. I've known them since I was like 18. And uh, George is a retired Braniff. Remember Braniff Airlines? Braniff Captain. And you guys have been married now how long? 65 and a half years. <clears throat> huh? And, and she says, we're not that old. All right. But they're my dear friends, and they're here today from East Texas, and we appreciate. And, and you men, our men's retreat is going to be at the place they own. They're the owners of the Blue Barn Christian Retreat. Of course, they'll say to me, no, Jesus owns it, but Jesus doesn't sign the checks. They do. Amen. Now, I want you to think about what I just read. I want to talk about the sacrifice of motherhood today. There came a time in the life of a little teenager around 13 to 14 years old, when the angel Gabriel appeared to her. 
And when you read this in the Bible, you're immediately encountered by the supernatural. You're confronted by the supernatural. The angel Gabriel appeared to Mary and told her that she was highly favored among women and that she was going to bring forth a supernatural child. She said, how in the world is this going to be? I've never known a man. I'm, I'm a virgin. And God said, the power of the highest is going to overshadow you. And that holy thing conceived in you will be conceived by the Holy Spirit. That's the claim of the Bible. And Mary said, be it unto me according to thy word. One of the greatest pronouncements of faith in the whole Bible. She has just been told that the Christ child is going to be conceived in her womb and that her child is going to die for the sins of mankind, is going to be the long-awaited for Messiah. And so she says, be it unto me according to thy word. you got to wonder, God's eye, no doubt, searched the entire world for somebody who would be worthy of and, and the, a good candidate for this supernatural conception. Totally supernatural. And when you stop and think about what God needed for the job of bringing his son into the world, it was a job application not many women at all would have bought into. It might have gone something like this, wanted, if it had been in the paper, wanted. A human being who will put her life on hold, face social ostracism, spend years raising a child who's not her own, make an emotional investment that'll end in grief and tragedy, and do all of the above with little or no personal gain or glory. Not something very many people would have wanted. But Mary said, be it unto me according to thy word. You know, there are things in your life and my life that God tells us that are pretty hard to believe, but you need to say, be it unto me according to your word. Be it unto me, Lord. I believe that you can do it. Even though I could never pull that off, I could never do that. I believe you can. Be it unto me according to your word. Now, Mary gave birth to the child. We all know the Christmas story. But the day came when Mary and Joseph took Jesus to the temple to dedicate him. And they had always been told good things. He's going to die for the sins of mankind. He's going to be a, the bright and morning star. He's going to be glorious. It's going to be a glorious conception, immaculate conception. It's going to be an incredible thing that God does. Everything that Mary and Joseph were told about it was sparkling and glittering and powerful and happy. But now after she dedicates Jesus... The Bible says that a man named Simeon approached her. And we just read what happened in the exchange with Simeon and Mary. A man named Simeon, who was a prophet, approached her and warned her that Jesus was going to be a polarizing figure. Unlike anyone who had ever come into power in the land of Israel, a polarizing figure. A man who would reveal the deep thoughts and the inner meditations of the hearts of people. And most people don't like that. Most people don't want that. The Bible says the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. 
It divides asunder between the soul and the spirit and the bones and the marrow. And it reveals the thoughts and inner motivations and intentions of the heart. So Jesus was like an x-ray machine on the hearts of people. And he revealed what was in your heart, some good, some bad. And because of the effect that he had on people and this searching characteristic of his personality and the anointing that was on him, some people loved him and some people hated him. Simeon said, Mary, some are going to love him and cling to him, but some are going to hate him for the shining light of his truth on their heart. Jesus was sort of like um, black licorice. You either like it or you don't. Very few people will say, well, I can take black licorice. I either like it or you don't. Jesus is that way then and he's that way now. You either like him or you don't. You either cling to him or you reject him. He brings a polarizing effect on people. He is a polarizing individual. You didn't feel neutral about Jesus, never did, and he never will. You embraced him or you rejected him, pushed him away. Just mention the name of Jesus today anywhere you go. And either the people will light up and say, oh yeah, I know him, I love him. Or they will turn you off like you've got leprosy. You want to see this reaction? Just say Jesus in a crowded elevator. <clears throat> say, praise the Lord. Man, it's just like, it's just like, I mean, it is like nothing you can imagine. He's polarizing. Because the minute you say his name, it searches hearts. The minute you say his name, there is a revealing, there is an expose on the life and the heart and the conscience of that person. Simeon said, Mary, to be a part of something great, to play a key role in God's plan, understand, Mary, it's going to cost you. A sword will pierce your own soul. Mary, if you're going to play a part in this, if you're going to be a part of God's plan, you're going to experience a sword piercing your own soul. The literal Greek language is more forceful than that. It reads, moreover, through your own soul shall a great sword go. Mary said, Simeon, Mary, when he is rejected, you're going to see it and you're going to feel the stab. When he is spoken against, you're going to hear it. And you're going to suffer with him. And when he is crucified, Mary, you're going to be there. And it's going to be like a great sword going through your own heart, Mary, Mother Mary. If you say yes to this call, if you amen the call of God on your life, a sword is going to go through your You're going to pay a price, Mary, to bring light and truth and love and power and redemption and forgiveness into the world. It's going to cost you. The word sword that the author uses here in the Greek language is a broadsword or Goliath's sword. She is literally being told prophetically by Simeon there in the temple holding Jesus that one day a broadsword, a sword the size of Goliath's, is going to go through her own soul for giving birth to the Christ child. 
And up to this point, she'd only heard good. Isn't that just like God? He tells you all the good, you have the baby, then he tells you what's coming. Her attitude, though, remained the same, and I want you to catch her attitude. Be it unto me according to thy word. Be it unto me according to thy word. Can we say that together today? Be it unto me according to thy word. God says, I'm going to do something powerful in your life. It's going to cost you, but I'm going to do something powerful. Isn't it a good thing to say, be it unto me according to your word. I'm going to heal you. Be it unto me according to your word. I'm going to use your life to touch others. Be it unto me according to your word. I'm going to heal your marriage, heal your life. I'm going to deliver you from addictions. Be it unto me according to thy word. I believe the word of God. One commentator writes this, the childhood of Jesus in the Nazareth home and the early manhood in the Nazareth carpenter shop were no doubt her happiest days. Talking about Mary. Though in those quiet years, expectation, fears, dread interwoven with the rest must have torn that mother's heart. Because she remembered the words of Simeon echoing in her soul. Every day, every week, every month, and every year, Mary, a sword's going to pierce your own soul. The day is going to come when you're going to pay a price for this thing to happen. And church, I want you to understand today, I want to preach to you today about a spiritual truth. That when God is going to do something in your life, powerful, there is always a price It's not that he didn't pay the price on the cross. He did. But there is almost always a price of sacrifice, a price of crucifixion, a a price of self-denial. And when you say yes to God, he'll say, all right, then here is what you need to do to see a miracle happen. And then you say, I'll do it. Be it unto me according to thy word. This commentator goes on and says, the days of public ministry for Mary must have been sad and her heart full of anxious forebodings as she watched the growing jealousy, the hatred, and the unbelief on the part of the leading men of her people. And of course, then came the cross. And Mary was there at the cross. She watched her own son die. She watched him taken down from that tree. Mary watched him. She saw him suffer. And so it happened just like Simeon said. Now, on a different scale, but nevertheless true, most mothers can understand the words of Simeon to Mary. A sword will pierce through your own soul. Have you noticed, Mom, that you can't give birth without there being some pain? And have you noticed that motherhood brings with it some pain? And the reason I pulled this little quote about Mary out of the Bible today is not on the same scale as her, but every mother in here knows that when you have a child, there's going to be a sacrifice, there's going to be a price, there's going to be some pain. There is no love stronger than the love of a mother for her child. And so often, that love that brings the greatest joy can take you to your knees in greatest sorrow. There's a price for loving There's a price for giving. There's a price for opening up your heart. Anytime you do, you open yourself up to being hurt, up to being disappointed. 
you open your heart up to being let down. That's the cost and the price of loving. And every mother in here understands what the angel said to Mary, a sword is going to pierce through your own soul. There may come a time you hurt, but here at this juncture where, where Mary hears this word and this juncture of sorrow and joy and pain and promise meet together is where the greatest message that Mary gives to us comes down through the ages. And I want to give you two messages from Mary's life as she stood there and said, all right, there's going to be some pain, there's going to be some sacrifice, I'm going to pay a price, be it unto me according to thy word. How did she say that? What did she know that we need to know today? Here's what she knew, and I want you to remember this. She knew a great blessing is worth a great sacrifice. A great blessing is worth a great sacrifice. Mary didn't run. She didn't hide. She didn't back up and say, now, wait a minute. Now, I knew good things were going to happen, but you didn't tell me at the very beginning that I was going to suffer. You didn't tell me about this sword deal, so I'm checking out. I'm reneging on my decision. She didn't say that. She said, all right, be it unto me according to thy word. She willingly embraced the painful sacrifice in order that life would be released into the world. And I believe it's the same call on the church today. How bad do we want life released into the world? How bad do we want to see that world out there that is being enveloped in darkness as we speak? How bad do we want to see them receive life? If we do, then Jesus said, whoever desires to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Here is the spiritual principle. No life is released unless you give up your life. No life is released unless you crucify yourself. No life is released unless you bow your knee and say, not my will, but thine be done. I want to tell you something. There'd be no church if there was not self-denial. I deny myself every day so that life can be released. You think this is easy? The preaching is the gravy. The preaching is the reward. You have no idea what goes on all week long, all the different things you've got to deal with endlessly that if you didn't crucify yourself, you just couldn't deal with it. But you've got to say, be it unto me according to thy word, because something powerful is going to be birthed in this house. Something powerful that touches this city and touches the state and touches the nation and touches the world is going to be birthed in this house. But for it to happen, we've got to die so that we can live. We've got to die so we can release life. And I want to know today, how bad do you want to see Fort Worth Sit up and believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And I want to tell you what Paul wrote. He said, for continually, while still alive, we are being surrendered into the hands of death for Jesus' sake so that you might know spiritual life. 
He said, every day, I die daily, I die daily, crucify my flesh daily, deny myself daily. Because when you do, when you say no to you and yes to God, it releases the power and the anointing and the, the life of God to those around you. So I hear Jesus saying, launch out into the deep. Deny yourself. And as you deny yourself like Mary did, she said, you know, I could do a lot of things. I'm going to be married to a wonderful man. I want to have my own children. I don't want to deal with this. This is a complication. This is an inconvenience. But that is not what she said. She said, be it unto me according to thy word. And when she said that, she knew Nobody was going to understand a young girl, 13, 14 years old, impregnated. In those days, you were betrothed to somebody for a year. And after that year, the wedding took place. Mary and Joseph were only betrothed. And suddenly she comes up pregnant. In those days, you had social ostracism. It was a major deal. People believed you didn't walk in purity and that you were unclean. You were rejected and despised and cast out. And knowing all of this, Mary said, be it unto me according to thy word. I don't care what people think, but I care what you think. It matters to me what you think. And so the young girl who was willing to be ostracized for the glory of God is now known as the most famous mother in the history of the world. A great blessing is worth a great sacrifice. If it's worth it, you'll sacrifice for it. That's why sometimes you've got to forgive somebody. That's a sacrifice. That's why to save your marriage, sometimes you've got to humble yourself and say, you know what, whatever it takes, I'm going to do it because a great blessing is worth a great sacrifice. For me to get free, for me to walk with God, for me to go on with Him, for me to glorify Him in my life, if I've got to die to this and die to that, it's worth the great blessing that will come. This was the thinking of Mary. A great blessing is worth a great sacrifice. Let me ask you today, what are you willing to sacrifice for? What matters enough to you to sacrifice for it? Well, I'll sacrifice a lot to make a bunch of money. I'll sacrifice my family to go out there and be a success in my career. Well, how about this? Will you sacrifice to see the glory of God released before Jesus comes again? Will you sacrifice for that? Will you allow God to inconvenience you like he inconvenienced Mary? Don't you know how inconveniencing it was? Uh, Joseph, I don't know how to tell you this, but I'm pregnant. Say what? And she said, yeah, well, who was it? Uh, God. <laughs> oh, okay. Are y'all with me? And here's little Mary, 13, 14. She's found the man of her dreams. She loves Joseph. He's a respected carpenter. They're going to have a great life. You think she wasn't thinking about little kids in a white picket fence and spot running around in the front yard? And she knew when she told this guy, Joseph, uh, God did it, that she risked him saying, not only do I divorce you, you are crazy, girl. She trusted God. 
And so God appears to him in a dream. and says, don't be afraid to take unto you Mary your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And God took care of the price she had to pay. And when you decide to sacrifice for God, to lay it all down for God, he'll take care of the fallout, just like he did for Mary. He'll take care of what people think about you. He'll take care of all the residue. He'll take care of it. A great blessing is worth a great sacrifice. But here's the second message from Mary, and it's this. Today's thorn is tomorrow's flower when God is in charge. Today's thorn is tomorrow's rose when God is in charge. Now, I want you to hear me on this one because some of you are looking at thorns in your life. You're looking at trials and difficulties. And I want you to understand that when you give it all to God, God has the ability to give beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. God has that ability. The story is told of a woman who asked God for a flower and a butterfly. Will you give me a flower and a butterfly? And instead God gave her a cactus and a caterpillar. And when she complained to him about this, he said, trust me and give it time. Trust me and give it time. Perplexed but willing, she walked away for a while, came back sometime later, and looked at the cactus, and coming out of the cactus was a beautiful flower, and on top of the flower, a beautiful butterfly instead of the caterpillar. The moral of the story is it's never over till God has had his say. It's never over. I'm going to say it again. It may look like a cactus and it may look like a creeping, crawling caterpillar. Come on, everybody. You look at your marriage and you say cactus and caterpillar. You look at your job and you say cactus and caterpillar. You look at those that are around you and you say cactus and caterpillar. You look at yourself in the mirror and you say cactus and caterpillar. But I want you to know when you give it to God and you give it time. He said, I'm able to make all things work together for the good to those who love God. And are the called according to his purpose. Come on, everybody. Today's thorn is tomorrow's flower when God is in charge. Now, you think I'm just trying to sound spiritual saying that. Or that I'm being formulaic when I say that. I'm going to tell you, I have staked my life on that truth. It is not just a formulaic, spiritual, cheap Christian slogan to me. Because I know that the God I worship and serve never says, Oh no, what will we do with that? The God that I worship and serve, I'm about to preach a little bit. The God that I worship and serve is a God who brings something out of nothing. He really does look at a pile of ashes and he says, let's make beauty out of that. He takes what is broken and he makes it whole. I read this week, he's the healer of the broken and shattered heart. 
Our God is a mighty God, and there is no end to what He can do. He takes that which is not and makes it what is, and He takes that which is and makes it what is not. Our God is in charge of this universe. Time and trust show that God had something beautiful in mind. Time and trust. Now those are the two words, the watchwords of the wise soul. Time and trust. Give God time. Trust God with all your heart and don't lean to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. Never judge the will or the intent of God for your life. In the narrow context of today... You say, well, pastor, it looks bad today, but that's today. That is not necessarily tomorrow. Don't let today be the prophet of tomorrow. Say, well, I'm hurting today. Well, that's today. Well, my marriage is in trouble today. That's today. Well, that doesn't look good, but that's today. You never know when God is going to wave his hand Or simply bat an eye and change your circumstances. So today is not the prophet of tomorrow. You got to give God time. You got to give God time. Be patient, be patient. Don't be in such a hurry. Wait on God. James talked about this. He said, Job is an example of a man who continued to trust the Lord in sorrow. And from his experiences, we can see how the Lord's plan finally, everybody say finally, finally ended in good. Why? Because the Lord is tender and merciful and he knows your situation. Look how it says, Job had to believe God in the midst of hell. He had to believe God in the midst of a deep and a dark valley. He had to believe God when there was nothing you could see in the natural to encourage your soul. He had to believe God when even his friends were telling him to give up and walk away. His wife was telling him to curse God and die. And yet, it says Job trusted God. And Job found out that there is a today and then there is a tomorrow. And he saw that the Lord's plan ended finally That tells me his plan can be operating in the middle of hell and you can't necessarily see it, but it's functioning, it's operating, and his big hands are weaving and shaping and molding and making an incredible ending. So you don't close the book in the middle. You read the last chapter. God's the same way. Why'd you close the book on the story of your life in my will? Why'd you close it in the middle? Don't you know if you'd have hung around to the end, all the characters would have made sense and the plot would have made sense and you would have seen the hand of the Lord all over your life. And that brings me down to finally motherhood and your children. As Mary did with Jesus... Moms and dads have to learn to trust God with the ultimate outcome. 
Oh, but pastor, today they are hellions. That's today. That's today. Oh, I'm suffering big time with mine. I don't know what's happened to them. They turned 13 and an alien moved into the house. But that's today. Everybody say, that's today. If your child has gone astray or has not embraced Jesus as their Savior, if you are estranged from them or they have in one way or another broken your heart, Mary's example teaches us that today is not the prophet of tomorrow. Because one day she watched her son hung on a cross. He was beaten beyond recognition. Can you imagine what that did to a mother? He was crying from the cross with swollen tongue. Give me a drink. I'm dying of thirst. She heard that. She heard the mockers and the enemies of Christ. Crucify him. Crucify him. That's my boy you're talking about. What's the matter with you? Didn't he heal you? Deliver you? Teach you? How can you do this to my son? She sat there at the foot of the cross. How can you sit by and do this to a good man who's done nothing? How can you hang in between two thieves who never stole? How can you do this to my boy? And the Goliath sword ran through her soul. Standing there. It is finished and her boy died. Mary, Mary didn't fully understand either until he rose from the dead. But watch this. When he died, that was her today. That was her today. And she could have walked away and said, I'll never praise God again. I will never go to church again. I will never serve him again. I don't believe him anymore. He let my son die like that. And so I'm going to base the rest of my life on today. But she didn't. Somewhere down in her heart, there was faith. And you know what? Three days later. Come on, everybody. Three days later. Three days later, the Holy Ghost breathed on his dead body. Jesus sucked in a breath for the first time in three days and nights, sat up the risen, glorified Son of God and everything Mary had sacrificed for and believed for and laid her life down for and crucified herself for was suddenly rewarded and all worth it. I want you to understand that woman knew what it was like to feel helpless. I can't do anything to stop this crucifixion. Just like you feel helpless when you can't do anything, when your children make bad decisions. You can't do anything. You can't control them. You've got to do what she did. She said, Lord, it's all yours. This is today, but it's not tomorrow. Amen. To marry a great blessing was worth a great sacrifice. And she knew today's thorn is tomorrow's flower. Can we stand together?
How many of you can say with me today, there's a few thorns I need to trust God with? Can you say that today? There's a few thorns I need to trust God with. Financial, marital, you're being tempted to sin. And it's a thorn in your side. Or things just haven't turned out the way you thought they would. Welcome to life. Life is what happens when you're making other plans. And I want to tell you, it's not always going to go the way you want it or the way you thought. And there's going to be times it's going to look like God's not in charge. You think Mary, looking at her son that way, wasn't overwhelmed with the sense of where is God? Sure she was. God came through and God's going to come through for you. And I want to pray for you right now. If you would bow for a moment of prayer. Say, Pastor Jeff, there's a thorn and I don't see any flowers. I just see the thorns. And I'll let you pray for me. Would you lift your hand where you are? Bless you. Many, many people. How many of you can say, I sense God knocking on the door of my heart and what he is requiring and what he's asking for is that I sacrifice something valuable for an even more valuable blessing. I want to see your hands. For a more valuable blessing. Yes, Lord. I want to pray for you now. Father, in Jesus' name, we give to you the thorn and we give to you the call of God to sacrifice. Would you pray this with me and say, Lord, I give you the thorn and I give you the call to a sacrifice. I ask you, Lord, take it and I trust you with tomorrow. For today is not the prophet of tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen. Give him a hand of praise now, would you? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.